Manor. Hello, welcome to Tut Manor podcast. We're back after a bit of a hiatus, three weeks or so, but this is a milestone episode for us. It is our 50th episode, half a century. Um, we've got myself, James, we've got John and Jack. We can see each other on video. It's all very exciting for us. That is completely irrelevant for people listening, but John, 50 episodes in, how do you think you've matured during that time? I think I've been consistently, um, consistently at a, a low level. <laughs> I don't think um, there's been a massive maturity. You weren't expecting that question, were you? No, I was just going to pick on Connor and say he stopped swearing as much. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, what about yourself? You think you know? You know, fifty episodes in, you're a true podcaster now. Have you have you added it to your LinkedIn profile? I was going to say, can that go on my CV now? Is that is that an official? Oh, can I put it after my name, like that woman on I'm a Celebrity keeps saying she's MPE? Can I be Jack Schumacher podcaster? I think so. TMP, like it. I think podder's a dangerous term to put after your name. I think if you went on Urban Dictionary, there's probably something bad there <laughs> to, to pod. Anyway, uh, start with a bit of news. Um, actually, before we get onto that, it's a disgrace. I hope the other, the rest of the guys are listening to this, but Ben forgot that we were doing this he's just chomping away at his food sacked us off connor done it just don't even know uh tony we can excuse a bit but chaps when you listen back to this if you listen back because now i don't even know due to this dedication um you, you've got one strike there you go james is, james is doing his headmaster routine again <laughs> we, we obviously look stick up for each other as well because we've just uh hauled out the rest of the pod in front of everyone at this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we haven't done a pod since the Stevie Kinneborough episode um, after we played Fleetwood. Um, it's all kind of been a bit doom and gloom since then. I suppose we've had a couple of games in between, that, haven't we? So where we got lifted up beating Rochdale, even though it was a bit of a dire game, um, got knocked out of the FA Cup, uh, lost to Crew. So we'll probably talk about some of those, um, but hopefully most of our focus can be on talking about Wigan in this episode. Um, but before we get on to the football, we've also had a we also had the article in the Oxford Mail as well, didn't we? John, that was a good piece, wasn't it? Yeah, really well written. And I think it's caught what all the pods were about, which is just sort of unofficial <laughs> Oxford chat. Um and yeah, it was nice to sort of get a bit of um get a profile and um I suppose reward for what we've been plugging away doing for these 50 episodes in what a year or so yeah and jack it's fair to say i know you've obviously got an interest in journalism in general but the quality of the coverage that we've had over the last i think almost 10 years from mr pritchard has been kind of second to none in terms of what local teams get um in the efl i, I suppose yeah massively like a lot of local papers in particular um, their coverage is pretty poor. He might get one back page um, piece, but that's about it. But the amount of the in-depth stuff that Dave Pritchard did, um, you know, was was vast really compared to compared to other productions. So no, he'll be a big miss. But I think with um, with James coming in, who's been in and around it, we're, we're not we're not leaving a void or anything. Yeah, I so did, anyone I did... who didn't listen to the. I was going to say, to anyone who didn't listen to the 
the interview we did with Dave Pritchard, it's definitely worth a listen. There's so much insight about journalism and his time covering Oxford and some of the stories he did. The John Duca one was absolutely incredible when he talked about that. So, um, yeah, definitely worth a listen to that one as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did ask Dave whether the lure of Steve Evans at Gillingham was pulling him back that way, and he told me to sod off. That was not the case. <laughs> um, kind of on to squad news then. John, Sam Winnell came on the pitch against Crew with like 10, 15 left, then came off. <laughs> and I think this is something we were a bit worried about. I know you were talking about it a bit on the, um, wasn't it the game show? But that's that's a bit of a bummer, and it felt like it was a bit of a gamble with Winnell. Um, but now I think he's out until potentially the turn of the year. But we're going to have to be relying on on Mister Matty Taylor, aren't we? Yeah, and it's and it seems that you know these players that come back from these serious injuries that it takes them more than just the average player to come to get a bit of momentum and a bit of runner games under their belt. So is he going to be hiring until he's had four or five games? under his belt and I think what was frustrating as well is I think it was Jack you talked about he was planned in for sort of 30 minutes then 60 minutes then company you know full 90 at sex, games that have just have happened and that sort of hasn't happened and then he's come on and 10 minutes into a game against crew he breaks down it looked like he had a bit of an impact which is minor positive but I mean it, it was as I was saying on the on Radio Oxford yesterday he was always going to be a gamble it's just for the club to assess how much of a gamble and if if we get if he comes off and he's fit we get an absolute player for nothing or we go down this route uh, it's just um it's just not gone the right way and when the results are like like they are it gets heightened he he did well in the 7 minutes he was on the pitch I have to say but there you go um well he yeah, he won a header and got a shot on target which was our first of the game i think so yeah it was a good 7 minutes yeah. Um uh, Brannigan obviously some positive news with 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 Cam. Um Jack, did you watch any of the or listen, sorry, to any of the interviews with him um talking about how terrifying it sounded? Yeah, he was uh incredibly honest, wasn't he? Brave actually, because I think we all had a little inkling that it had been very serious, but I don't think I'd expected it to be quite as serious as it was. Um, and, you know, big kudos to John Radcliffe and the eye specialist because they've not only possibly saved his career, that's kind of second here, they've saved his sight, which for he's only still only 24. That's, you know, would have been a big, big thing for him to have to deal with if it had gone worst case scenario. Um, but yeah, we just wait now and, you know, it'll, I don't think we'll see him play before the end of the year. We're probably looking back end of January, uh, yeah, back end of January into February. Yeah. But positive at least that he can still be around the squad and be a part of it going forward didn't didn't they say like only they see i'm not sure if it is across the whole country but only two people have that condition per year or something um yeah it's a real it sounded like a real rare type thing to happen and it was it was touching to see the way that kr spoke about him and others did you know it seems to be some a genuine bond between them far beyond sort of player manager and um you know, he'll be a welcome boost, hopefully, if he comes back turn of the year. Hopefully, we're in a good place team-wise and he can really come in. But, you know, he's back on the training field already, I think. So, you know, it sounds like he's a guy who's going to want to play and yeah. if he just doesn't rush himself back. 
Speaking of not rushing back, Hansen is back in the fold again. I expect to say that another 28 times before the end of the season. Um, that's a bit salty, but I, I'm going to take this with a pinch of salt until Hansen gets a run in the team and then we can talk about him a bit more because we've said this a few times now, haven't we, with the man. Lots of potential. Don't necessarily know where he's going to fit in now. We've got a few options of right back. Um, we'll have to see. He'll move on and he'll go to the next club and probably do quite well. I think he's just one of those players that you just sign and, you know, it's, you sign five players, three work out, one's all right and one's an absolute disaster. They move to another team and all, all of a sudden it works out and you can't <laughs> never work out why. I think we just have to cut our losses. He looks like he's technically quite a good player, but it's just, yeah, <laughs> you need to be on the pitch. Um, there was the five minutes fan forum as well with KR on it. The main thing, well, two main things I took. One was um, lots of abuse coming in for Mr. Sean Clare at right back. Um, I think someone said, when will the right back experiment end? And I think KR's main thoughts was, and to be fair, it's like, fair enough, he's defending the guy. But he was just saying, can people give him a break for a bit of time? Um and he then did give him a break by rest, you know, dropping him out of the team against uh, Wigan. So there you go. Um, he also talked about a question came in about apparently we had some room room to manoeuvre when it came to the kind of the wage cap and why didn't we utilise that um, before the transfer window closed and stuff. But KR's response was more along the lines of, well you don't know what's going to happen between now and January and we want to have some wiggle room if we so need to make some changes. Um, I, I, I think that's sensible, Jack, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I think the it's all very well saying that, but the bigger issue we've got here is the squad cap because if we can't shift a Robbie Hall, for example, a Jamie Hansen, um, we've already got Osai not in the 22 because we didn't have room for him. We could end up in a position in January where we've not shifted, say, two or three players that we need to shift. They're still at the club, but we don't include them in the squad for six months. So you're then paying a number of players to not play football. So it's all yeah. very well having room to manoeuvre incomings and we've got you know salary left to spend, but we will need to shift people to bring people in. That's That's a guarantee. Yeah, for sure. I got. I, he did seem to feel. You could tell KR was frustrated in general about the general rules around the cap. Um, I guess the squad limit is more understandable, right? But have to see. Um, final bit of news: Oxfox started a really cool initiative last week. So on Thursday they had their first Thursday show social. It's going to say social in the Dutch accent. First uh, Thursday social. So it's a Zoom meeting basically with a, a capacity of 100. I think they um, they got into double figures with people attending the first one, but people should please get, get along to that. I think it's a really good idea. They're, they're going to be running quizzes, hopefully getting some familiar kind of famous Oxford-related um, faces into that, that session. And um, it's just a general opportunity for fans to chat with one another if you're feeling a bit distanced from the club and from matches. So really cool initiative from them. Um, and obviously just look at, get in touch with Oxfox or ask Paul Peros 
um on twitter about it and i'm sure he'll give you all the details but they're every thursday on a weekly basis um and now on to the football so like i said much has happened i completely forgot about the peterborough fa cup game in all honesty but we're going to just gloss over that because i don't care anymore <laughs> um back to like rochdale though that was john one of those games where we didn't play particularly well, nor did we really need to. We just we just needed a result. And one thing I did notice is that there was another Ford delivery which landed on Elliot Moore's head. Didn't even have to jump. Were you drooling? Was there just was there a big puddle underneath you? <laughs> well, true to form, it's probably the only thing I can remember from that game. <laughs> um yeah, no, um I joke. It was um it was a game where there was some small signs of improvement, but it was still a lot of the same old challenges. And I think Rochdale were one of those teams that probably aren't one of the better in the league. But it comes down to a game we had to win. And it's like the same with Wigan. We had to win that game. So it was badly needed three points, really. Yeah. And Jack, we saw again, did Shodders start in this game or did he come on and score after a minute? I forget. They all blend into one. I think it was the latter. Yeah, I think he did come on. I think it was another super sub cameo. Yeah, and it was it was a really good finish by him where we needed it, where we weren't getting towards the end of the game with pressure mounting. And then, as we said, Elliot Moore got that, that third, third goal with 10 minutes or so left. And then I actually thought Rochdale looked like a decent footballing side, which we haven't seen from them for a long time. Um, so I, I was surprised. I, I thought that was a really good result in the end, to be fair. But then... Well, they, they, if you remember, scored that goal that was doing the rounds, but they were wearing a sort of pinkish kit and it was kind of a 26-pass move and then they scored. And then they were kind of being end. lauded as like, yeah, yeah. And I think it's Brian Barry Murphy, their, their manager, who was kind of a, bit of a journeyman player but seems to want to play like decent football. So I think they've they've kind of carried that on a bit but tweaked slightly to be a bit more practical. but. Um, yeah, no, it is a bit of a change for Rochdale teams. They're not very memorable, are they? No. I always remember that 4-0 away. Was it 4-0? Ledson scored from like near the halfway line. They used to have that massive tubby keeper, blonde hair. I forget his name. Conrad Logan. That's it. Conrad. Um, that's what I think of when I think of Rochdale, is big old Conrad struggling to get back into his goal to stop Ledson from scoring from the halfway line. Um. So we went on from that. FA Cup game was after it. Reasonable performance, actually. John, I remember you speaking quite positively about that that game. Like, in general, pretty happy, like, good tempo on and off the ball. Yeah, it, it felt like a real step in progression if we were saying that we were at pretty low base. It was kind of, you could see signs of the sort of things we moan about, about how hard it is for us to work the ball up the pitch to create a chance. It was an intensity. The final ball wasn't always brilliant, but it was, you know, relentless pressure on their goal at times. And that's why, if I'm getting my chronology right, the crew game was such a sucker punch because I would have been quite positive after the Peterborough game. But then crew, you know, absolute disaster. You think you guys followed it closer than I did. I sort of listened to, to most of it. Um but it didn't sound like from there there was anything to really to hone in on. It was just an absolute collapse of every entity of a team before. 
Yeah, and just going on to crew then, yeah, we we were watching it, weren't we, Jack? And um, I think the main frustration with that is that we were second best um, throughout from the first minute until the last. And after 10, 15 minutes, it was really obvious that it wasn't working, like the approach wasn't working. They were winning the midfield battle. They were having no issues whatsoever, like basically getting to a position where they were either in a dangerous kind of crossing position or on the edge of our box, tippy tappering it around like with loads of nice little neat flicks and just the amount of time they spent in the final third was impressive, but mega frustrating from our point of view. Um, But Jack, the frustration was we didn't, as I said, mix it up before or just try something different. And it, it, I, from memory, we didn't mix it up at half time either. No, every, it, as you say, everything that could have looked out of place was out of place. The shape was poor. No one was covering. There was no movement. Didn't really create a chance. Every, everything just felt flat. Um, it was one of those games where you just think, as of their, as their pre-match meal been poisoned or something, because they were just so off it. It was unbelievable. Um, ironically, the only kind of bright spark, as we've touched on already, was the subs. Uh, I think Winnell and Abita came on at the same time and linked up straight away. But yeah, it was just one of those games where you think we could play till next week and not score. It would. We were so second best. It was unbelievable. And my new obsession, like last year, it was corners and how many corners we have without scoring. But this year, it's how many games we're going to lose 2-0. Um, <laughs> after that, we'd lost six of our 10 games 2-0, which I think is ridiculous. I'm sure like someone, a stat person, I don't know who, there's a few Oxford stat people around, but you'd have to go back a long way to like find something similar where there's such a repeatable scoreline again and again and again but the the themes were the same in that i think twitter exploded people phoning into radio oxford were were a plenty whatever like lack of leadership was a thing where's moose etc cetera, etc cetera. general i think experience is an interesting one i think i myself was saying like it still feels like we're missing experience but i think it's more like the the players that are standing up to be counted when you know, the intensity isn't quite there and that type of thing. And that was a real frustration for me. Um, still never a clean sheet. I, Matty Taylor had 10 touches, Jack, I think you were saying, in the whole game, someone posted somewhere. Yeah. And- it, he, as with a few games this season, he's kind of been marked out of the game, but at least he gets a few touches here and there. Um, John, obviously, we've touched before on John Coleman at Accrington saying... Matty Taylor didn't have a sniff against us, but scored two goals. But Crew limited him even holding the ball up or having any impact in the game. And, you know, it, the majority of this season, he's played 90 minutes through. Obviously, Crew, we got taken off for Winnell. Um, and just touching on the, the whole leadership point, I think this is where we miss Mackey. Yes, his on-pitch uh, <laughs> contribution was lacking slash entertaining for non-playing reasons but just someone to rile them up a little bit or get the team going against crew there was no one really vocal at all obviously Brannigan's missing so he often likes a bit of a shout at everyone but um yeah it, it was concerning how kind of passive we were against crew it did change a little bit against Wigan which we'll go on to talk about but 
that is still a weakness for me and something that should be addressed in January is get a bit of a vocal character in. Just I, I sort of find it it's um to do with the sort of you worry that it's to do with the confidence they have in each other playing next to his individual performances. I I slightly agree with you on the on the Mackie point. But for me, Mackie was yes in training during the week, yes slightly on the subspench and perhaps at half time, but he was rarely on the pitch for that time. So that sort of on pitch geeing up, I don't really I don't really see. Um I mean, you always think what's different to last season versus this season. And the only real difference is Rob Dickey and Brown on the pitch. Let's just to simplify it. I'm sure players look around and with Rob Dickey playing so well, bringing the whole defence together, that gave them confidence. And then they can sort of focus on their own game a bit more. Um, there's, some, there's definitely something about having older players in the team. But I sort of think it's down to everyone's just so low on confidence in themselves that it's they're just sort of putting it all on onto the, what they're doing, and I, then 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 like that capacity to each other other people up has been lost a bit. I, I struggle though with it in that, like KR always talks about how much the players care and all that stuff, but demonstrate you might be playing like crap, but demonstrate desire and intensity off the ball if you have to, and it's the fact that like yes, you know you you might not be doing well on the ball, but if you show something off the ball it sets an example for the rest of the team and it's like who are the people that are setting that example was the thing um i think that was the main thing that really frustrated me you couldn't pick one or two players out where you're saying they're really giving it a go they're getting stuck in even though we're actually playing like crap um and that was the thing that was frustrating i think like jack says winnell for four minutes and Abita seemed to do all right when they came on. But at the same time, I, I found it really... as I, When that second goal went in, I know we were down to 10 men because Winnell had to go off with the injury. But it was the first time I chucked an object at a wall <laughs> watching football um, for a long time because you could just see the whole thing unfolding because we weren't working hard enough. Um, but I, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't a cushion. It wasn't a cushion, was it? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> um, Leave it at that. But as it seems to be a theme this season, we go from highs to low, stick around with the lows for a bit, and then we're taken up back to a high again. This had banana skin all over it, the Wigan game. Um, they had lost, what, seven and eight going into it? Um, bottom, yeah. uh, I think they're bottom of the league, aren't they? And just playing like rubbish with a really difficult kind of backdrop behind everything with ownership and finances and whatever else managers gone to some fucking shithole in the south somewhere um (laughs) um, there was lots of chatter before the game um about dark arts and stuff and i just found it all really cringe (laughs) But something also I noticed that the media often will do, and if any of the guys are listening from Radio Oxford and stuff, like I love you to bits. So this is nothing on you. But it's when like there's a question planted at someone that's like, uh, what was it in this? Like, so do you do you think we need to be more horrible and mean, Matty Taylor? What do you reckon? I think we should be more horrible and mean. And then Matty Taylor's like, yes, we should be more horrible and mean. And then they'll take the quote from Matty Taylor saying, we should be more horrible than mean and plant it everywhere. And I'm like, that becomes the theme of the whole thing. But that's just how journalism works, isn't it? You ask the question to get the to get the story or the thing, the headline or whatever. Anyway, 
But I just like, how should we be mean? Is it like your mama jokes in the tunnel? John, how would you be mean? You must start in the tunnel with um, like accidentally leaning into people and, you know, occasional swing of swing of the elbow. He like says, a Roy Key. been in a tunnel, obviously. And yeah, yeah, you've got to do all that stuff. That whole, like, I'm not even going to look at you. Like, we should be playing some incredibly intimidating music just for the sake of it down the tunnel. Um, but in a serious point, I, t- I take your point around the kind of dark arts type stuff, but it's one of those things, if we're not playing well, then perhaps we need to sort of think about doing more of that stuff just to sort of rebuild ourselves into games to try and sort of stop the flow of, you know, in certain games where people were slicing through our midfield with ease, I would have been more than happy for us to be doing a lot more of those sorts of tactics beyond getting booked, obviously, Gorin style for that kind of thing. There is a wider thing around sort of the game plan management type of stuff. Um, and I think it's personnel as well. You need you need a rock bag in your team. You need someone who's going to be a bit dirty and a bit filthy just to sort of disrupt people. So, But we didn't have that last season or unless we were doing it and it was more evident. So Mackie got his finger out at least all... like five times. <laughs> yeah, but that's only one... one Five second hit, isn't it? You know, Ninety minutes of a uh, dark arts and all that. I think that particular um, dark art accounts for many. <laughs> anyway, you, you, yeah, <laughs> he should do that in a tunnel. Like <laughs> that's when he should be doing it. <laughs> At that point, he'll get arrested. I don't know. Um, I, I guess that the only thing I'm getting at is that, like, I think you associate dark arts and stuff with a, a successful team and a team that's like already got a one nil lead is the way I see it. Uh, but maybe when you're really, really struggling and it's nil-nil and you're against a better side, et cetera, et cetera, I get it. But I always associate all that stuff with holding on to a lead um, and being canny with, like, you know, niggly free kicks and whatever else. But anyway, I've just, I'm kind of carrying on all the dark art chatter that I was abusing by doing all this. <laughs> anyway, why I was in my element talking about it and um, wasn't at the game show. I was uh, absolutely all over it. Like, as you know, when we watch games together, I'm always shouting, like, bring him down, crunch him. Because <laughs> I think you just need to, like, maybe it's a bit sort of dinosaur. You just need to leave a bit on, leave it on some people at times. Crack him. Yeah. End him is uh, one that I often shout, which I don't really mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> just end him. Um, Right, on to the, the lineup because it was an interesting one, Jack. Um, let's start at the back. Like Atkinson just flew back in. Um, no phased return for, for that man. I suppose it's kind of harder to phase centre-backs in sometimes. And then um, Long obviously shifted to right-back. Atkinson it does just make such a difference to the dynamic of the team, doesn't he? He just brings almost a calmness to it i don't know if it's because we trust him and it goes back to the thing john was just saying about confidence and almost a little bit of trust did using sean claire's example taking him out of it and slotting atkinson in just make everyone a bit more calmer maybe a bit yes. more trusting long to defend um so yeah the, the bringing back atkinson i was a little bit skeptical of because we often rush players back um in desperation almost, but he, he slotted in like he'd never been away. And he has that ability to bring the ball 10, 15 yards forward as well. So he, he presents a, a different option for the opposition to think about. Um, 
I was surprised to see McGuane and Kelly play. I think that's something we discussed um, when we saw the lineup ourselves. Um, and Abita, I think he will be the starting player going forward once he's fully fit. So it was no surprise to see him start away in you know in a in a key key match. Do you think, John, that um, back to kind of McGuane and Kelly? I guess the concern there is McGuane's been in and out of the side. Kelly has actually played quite a few minutes, um, but hasn't hasn't impressed many. And for someone that's meant to be that, you know, ha- was Reading's player of the, the year in the championship at one point, like he's got that pedigree. He's played a lot in the, the division above. Do we just need to keep getting him in the side to get to get the most out of him? Yeah, I think to a degree it is it is kind of that simple. Um, I mean, he had a really good first half and generally better, much better game in the, in this one. For me, I think the fact he was playing in the, the DM role didn't actually help him because I think he needs to be playing alongside Gorin, maybe in a 4-2-3-1, um, because we, we can get onto that sort of stuff later on. But for me, I think he needs someone... Gorin take, wins the ball and then gives it to Kelly and then Kelly is the one who then can make the the forward offensive pass. And that's where I think Kelly needs to be in this team, not sort of someone who's literally the, the second ball winner from the defence. So I think there's a there's a point there about him in the team. McGuane, I think it's the, the best role for him to be in where he can roam, not have to think too much about defending. Obviously, tracking back he needs to do. And that's something I'm sure is the reason he doesn't get into the team at times because he can be a bit erratic on that front. But I thought, you know, it made sense to put those two in and gamble on them both playing well, because if those two can't do it against Wigan, then what's the point? You know, Atkinson coming back in for me, you've got to you've got to bring back in if he, if he's you know eighty ninety percent fit or seventy whatever. He's got if he can't Wigan is the perfect game for him to come back into because he's not going to get that much trouble. Like he did play really well, but you'd think the safe game to put him back in is is this one. So that made absolute sense to me. Claire coming out as a, as a no-brainer, um, you know, Italy improves as a defender, he can't be a right-back. And I think it's about, you've seen the positioning of the defence for most of the game was pretty good. And I think it just helped having him out of that. So it made sense, the lineup, but it was a gamble. It could have gone wrong, but the chances were Wigan was so poor that it did. Yeah. I, I think that with Kelly as well, like he... It's an interesting one because if he's not playing in more of a holding role, then and he's not ever going to be a combati- combative, combative. <laughs> How do I say it? Combative M- midfielder. Yeah. He's not. He's that not going to. <laughs> he's not going to be that type of player. Like you know, um, stopping teams playing through the the middle line and that type of thing. Um, so therefore, you put more onus on his ability to create going forward and I did like you said John I think first half he was he was tidy he was a lot more kind of like playing one one touch passes that type of thing getting getting his head up a bit but at the same time I still think for a player in that position we're going to have to see more um of an attacking threat or more creative flair or something coming from him um so I guess we'll we'll have to see but um yeah it's it's interesting I, I expect that he'll be rotating a little bit with Anthony Ford, when it comes down to it. Um, on Sean Clare, Jack, what do you reckon about kind of what building on what John's just said there? Like, we can kind of accept that his defending hasn't been 
uh, adequate, let's say. Um, but he has that pace. And I think it's a really like clever move from KR to get him some minutes again, to not completely just disregard him and then get him on down the right-hand side. And, you know, he had a, he had an impact, didn't he? Well, it's an interesting one because uh, when we had Marvin Johnson, it was clear he he couldn't particularly defend. But because he began his Oxford career further forward, he kind of got given the leeway because it was like, oh, he's a winger playing at full back. He won't be able to defend. Because we've spent money on Clare and Robinson's, you know, rammed it down our throats that we've signed him as a full back, we've scouted him as a full back, then by proxy, we've kind of hung him out to dry in a defensive sense. If you read yeah. anything that Hearts fans say about him and Gillingham fans previously when he was on loan there, it was any good going forward. And you, you, you're spot on with, we got him on in that right wang. Right wang. We didn't, we didn't there's no <laughs> wangs about it. Um, Freudian. <laughs> in, that, in, that right, in that right wing position. And he did actually show his usefulness there. Um, he can't go back to right back now. No way at all. No. He, can, he cannot be put back there. Oh, I still think the yeah. <laughs> the only thing can, I think not, is not, that... not in a four, not in a four. He can't play as the right back. If we were playing yeah. wing backs, him and Abita as wing backs, I'd I'd be fine. But I don't think we can afford to have him playing at right back in a four. I, th- I think when we were chatting with Dave Pritchard the other day, we we got onto this somehow. But we're talking about maybe Kr playing a back three. Um, with Abita on the left and Claire on the right, because that's the only thing you kind of have that balance there, don't you? With potentially a bit, I don't. We don't really know what Abita's like as a left back, or whether he'll actually ever play there. But the view of that signing is he's a versatile player. But if you kind of create a lineup on lineup eleven, and you put Abita on the left and Claire on the right, it looks like okay, you've got some threat going forward. But yeah, you probably concede many a goal. Um, but yeah, it's that it's that balance on the left and right. I felt last, you know, when we had Cadden last year, you just the, we were just massively imbalanced, even though we were pretty successful with how Cadden went forward versus how Ruffles went forward. And I think it it kind of ba- balanced itself out towards obviously the end of the year and lost Cadden and whatever. But anyway, final thing you, on the midfield, John McGwain. Did you reckon he had a good game? And what do you think will happen going into Tuesday at Pompey, which we'll, I guess we'll get onto in a bit. But do you think KR had an eye on Tuesday? I think McGuane, he had a good game, probably one of his best ones that he's had for us. Again, it was the Wigan. It is a caveat to that. But he um, he got forward well. And um, I, think I, would, I think he had a good chance to score in the first half as well. He was played through by Henry. And I wanted yeah. him to take hit hit it, hit it early, and he cut inside, and then there was a very good block and all that sort of thing. But he generally looked well, and he obviously set up Taylor's goal, jumping ahead a bit. So I don't think he plays on Tuesday, though. I think um, against better players and in a more intense environment, you know, it's not the game for him. But you need, he needs to play an active role this season, or else it's another player, as Jack mentioned, who's kind of we're paying for and isn't really making an impact. Yeah. And I, I should have mentioned this before, actually, when we were talking about Abita and the kind of left side. But, um, John, I think you mentioned it earlier that it should be something we we discuss. But when it comes to, 
our options there. Do you think Ruffles will maintain that kind of left back slot? Do you think Ruffles and Obita will mix it up and then you'll have some option where you've got Shodders ahead of Obita and that type of thing? Do you think we'll see that getting mixed up over the season? The boring answer is it's like depends on who we're playing. But for me, I'm I'm leaning towards Obita and Shodders as my preferred left hand side, which sounds a bit feels a bit harsh as I'm saying it, but <laughs> Shodders needs to be in the team for that. If we're up against a team that's restricting us and he can dribble and make something happen, I think that angle is important. And Obita had a presence about him that admittedly only one game that seemed quite positive. So and Ruffles, you know, too has been a bit up and down this season. So you I think you'll definitely see them rotate and there will be times when Obita and Ruffles is absolutely the first combination on the on the yeah. sheet and Shodder should Shodder should be a sub. But yeah, I think I'll controversially it feels controversial going to say Obita and Shodder's on on the left side. And KR gave Obita a lot of praise after the game, Jack. Were you impressed with him? Yeah, is that um, I think you've got Rill in the notes, experienced head. You can see he's played 100 games at a higher level. He's quite calm. Um, he released the ball for McGuane for the the first goal when he could have tried to, to um, hold on. For, oh, my God. Hold on hold on to <laughs> it for a bit longer. Just looking at you guys, put me off. Um, yeah, he, he will be a good signing. Obviously, he's not up, up to full fitness yet. I think he'll probably drop out on Tuesday. Um, KR made some comment about him. Um, having mentioned the Swindon game since he joined the club. So that at least sounds like he's definitely up for it next week. Um, yeah. Just on the the options, I, I get where you're coming from, John, but I, just KR's comments around when we signed a beater was very much always oh, a left winger who can play at left back. It feels like he's stuck him in the left wing slot for the foreseeable. When Ruffles gets suspended, or if when, for yellow card accumulation, Obviously, Abita will have to go in there because there's no one else. Um, Abita and Shodders as a a duo on the left flank, possibly. Um, probably not whilst we're still scrabbling about for points, but maybe if we're a bit yeah. more free-flowing later on in the season. And... I think Abita and Shodders is the most exciting in terms oh, yeah. of going forward. But yeah, I absolutely agree that it's the, it's the riskiest riskiest. We can't speak when we can see each other. This I don't think any of us can. <laughs> yeah. um, just, I, we've managed to do well to talk about the game for this long without talking about the goals. Um, but we, we were saying when we were watching it, because we were all on um, Discord watching the game, but if, if you had to pick two players to, to, to bag goals in that game for the good of the team longer term, um, and for confidence sake, it would have been Taylor and Henry, wouldn't it, Jack? Yeah, well, Henry's been having um, a few negatives thrown at him. We know he's been carrying injury, but as we've said for the two, three seasons he's been with us, if he's not on form, generally the team is not on form. So any confidence he can get back through scoring, and he was brighter yesterday, very very much involved across all areas of the pitch, actually. He was tackling (laughs) in left back at times, and yeah, he seemed like someone had put an extra kind of Duracell battery into him yesterday. Um, and Taylor, he's a goal scorer. He needs to score goals. His interview after the game, he said, "You know, November's felt like a really long month." Um, so yeah, 
those two scoring goals generally means positive results for us. So long may it continue. Yeah, for sure. And Matty Taylor, John, for the first time in a while, just wasn't isolated like from the first kick of the game. Like players were in and around him. Um, throughout the game, he could have scored a few more. The one that I remember the most was I think he'd already got notched one and then there's a really good cross from Long and a free header. Um, keeper kind of pushed wide, but... You know, the fact that he's getting chances and he's got players in and around him and he's not just having 10 touches of the ball in a game, like, great, great news. But I, I don't know how much you think about the opposition in all of that. I'm, I'm glad you were the one that sort of mentioned the opposition because I felt I was going to be the, uh, yeah, but it's Wigan about every single point we make. I mean, their, their <laughs> midfield was, non-exi- was non-existent. Um, but point about Taylor, I mean, I feared the worst. You remember that one where... Sam Long put a really good cross in and it was like a almost a carbon copy of the Gillingham header where he didn't where he oh, should yeah, have scored. Yeah, yeah. This one was a lot hard this one was harder. It was it was actually quite hard because the ball was neither it was slightly at dive at height, slightly at stand up and try and head it height. But I thought that hasn't gone in. Um, I think there was another one where um Henry put in a beautiful cross. One of the one of the reasons why he's in the team because he can play balls like that. It was really early on. And it kind of ricocheted and it went off Taylor's shoulder and just went over the bar. And I thought it's going to be another day like it's been before. But to score the goal he did with that touch just shows that, you know, there is a bit of luck with him. I think he he does get in all the right places and he would have had many more goals this season if for, well, it's not as simple as luck, but it feels like it at times. Yeah, I I loved I actually watched that first goal many times. I absolutely love it. Um, really intricate play down down the left, like Ruffles back to Atkinson, forward to Taylor. Taylor one touch pass into a beater. A beat like McGwain makes a run, points where he wants it down the line, um, gets played in. McGwain gets his head up, looks where he wants to cross it. And I actually thought our crossing in this game wasn't great, but he got his head up. Um, picked out Taylor, who was obviously involved in the play, like by the side of the pitch earlier on in this move. Man, you know, he's got himself in the box. That touch, unbelievable, and then bang. And you could see, like, wanted to do the cool, cool guy, relaxed celebration. He was like, actually, fuck it, I'm going to Klinsman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I really I like. Need, I need this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was involved in the second goal as well. Um it was a counter-attack. He was kind of bringing the ball forward. He, he took his time when you could have said, be kind of keep going, have a go. Um, brought Claire into play on the right. And then, yeah, another really good pass. Um, Henry getting in front of his man. Really good finish, actually. It's not e- easy, is it, when it's coming at you like that to like no. keep it down and direct it? So I thought that was an amazing finish. You could hear the shriek on the goal cam as well from Henry when it went in. He was... Yeah, he was, was he really like... It was a- proper outpour from that it wasn't just a get in or score you, you look like there was some emotion going through that and I, I it's an interesting just talking point Henry this season generally but it felt like he'd sort of yeah like a demon left him when that in went went in yeah um but yeah amazing I, like obviously we concede and that was probably the it was it was one of them where Sam Long felt he was injured didn't he down down there, left, our right. Um, they they had like a, a good opportunity to put a cross in. It was a really good cross. Player was a bit unmarked, but I thought generally it was actually more of a good goal than us just defending poorly. And that hasn't yeah, necessarily I been agree. the case a lot of the time. 
Um, but yeah, we ha- hung on, not overly troubled and massive win. But um, yeah, it's one of them now where it's like, it was just Wigan. We can't get carried away. We've got a really tough run of games coming up that we'll we'll get onto soon. It's so easy to like, for this all to turn around. Um, I think even if the result against Pompey is not the one that we want, it's, I think it's more about the performance, isn't it, again? I don't know what you think, John. I think, it, yeah, Portsmouth is about... For me, I wanted to see them be really solid in that game. I I don't want them to... um Us to sort of try and be too expansive to a degree. It's a, um, yeah, jumping into predictions, but I think I'll take a draw right now. Yeah. Um, we also had, just before we move on, we had someone tweet in generally around kind of formations and how we're utilizing Henry and that type of thing. Um, do we think there's still, and we referenced it actually when we were talking about crew, Jack, do you still think there's a need for us to have something like another approach in our pocket or in games where we're struggling to get Taylor involved, perhaps moving Henry inside and maybe adopting more of like a 4-2-3-1 where Henry's in that kind of central cam position as as we refer to it. Yeah, well we've seen we've seen Henry play almost all across the kind of three roles behind a central striker. Um one game in particular that always springs to mind is the Charlton away game where we scored in the last minute to win. But that season, he scored quite a few goals from the edge of the box, kind of arriving late. Um, he's not a winger as such, because he doesn't have the pace to be an out-and-out winger, which is why I think he's he's suited better to play him behind Taylor. Um, but equally, we have seen the benefits of him playing wide, because his crossing is generally so good. So he's a bit of a... Yeah. If you let him float about... And you've got someone disciplined in behind him. He he can allow you can allow him to float and be where he needs to be in in different styles of attack. Um, I don't think you can try and pin him to one position. I think he's too fluid to do that. Yeah, in the game against <laughs> floaters are generally bad. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> you saw in that game though. The three, the three best sides of, of Henry for me. like So the teasing cross very early on from not an obvious angle, which he delivers, Taylor nearly scores. You see the pass through to McGuane where McGuane probably should have scored and he cuts inside. You then saw a little dribble where he comes inside, shoots left footed and it just goes wide. So that's the sort of variance and he can bring to the team. Um, and that's why he's in there because he's got that quality if you give him a couple of yards. Your point, James, that he's not going to beat a man like through raw pace. Yeah. That's why I think you want Shadipo, you have Shadipo on the other side so that you can, he's your winger to go and try and dribble at other players and that sort of side of things. And then ideally you switch it and Henry's, because it's been switched, Henry's going to have a, a few more yards to do something and whip a ball in. So I think the reason he's always in the team is as Matty Taylor alluded to, I think he said JMO does what JMO does. And I think they just look to him and know he can deliver a moment of quality and we'll have to, and he can, and if he's not on form, then he's a passenger, but we'll put up with it. And I agree with you that him being behind Taylor and a little bit closer and having that ability to switch to a 4-2-3-1, Gorin and Kelly as, as the two, I think could definitely work. And it's just having, it's just trying that sort of plan B thing. I don't think we can do 
go to three at the back. I get the, the logic of the sort of Obita and Claire as wingbacks, but I think to do three five two successfully, you need a whole like pre-season. You need the right sort of players, the right defenders particularly yeah. to make it work. I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think Atkinson are more good enough passers. I think they can bring the ball out and they're good enough passers to do that sort of thing. Um, and it, yeah, you need two up top and obviously we haven't got those two up top. So, it's always going to be the four three three, as we know with KR. But then, can you make that four two three one for me? Is the thing. But I think Henry, he's always got to start um, because of what Jack's talked about. He has got that that range to do floating, <laughs> as well as um, sort of being a bit more. Um, but I'd like to see him. You know, he's obviously lost confidence in terms of the shooting from the edge of the box. There's been a few occasions this season where he could have done that, and he hasn't, or it's been a crap shot. I just think. If he isn't, there's been games where he's just been completely absent. So it's like, like Jack said, it's as if someone put a battery or like whacked 50p in his head and then he's just, just running all over the shot. And it's like, if he, in those games where after 20 minutes, it's clear the way the game's heading and Taylor just isn't touching the ball. I just think there's, it'd be cool if we saw a bit more, you know, the ability to react to that. But I think, I guess we'll see how... Henry's form continues over the next few games to then assess it again. The getting close to Taylor thing is critical. And it was great to hear KR talk about how they've been working on that in training because, all right, we're not football managers, but you know it screams out, why is there a massive gap when you've got a striker who's not a natural hold-up player to be able to sort of wait for players to get near him? So, yeah, the fact they're addressing that, that's a, that's a massive problem and... It was a lot better against Wigan. Yeah. Um, just before we go, I know we've kind of talked a little bit about Pompey. Um, then we've got another game we might need to m- mention next Saturday. But the way League One's shaping up the moment, like, were there any massive results um, from the weekend? I think Operation Vengeance, we might be the only people still calling it that. They lost at home to Blackpool, <laughs> didn't they? Was there anything else that stood out for anyone? Pompey's. I thought Fleetwood battering of Plymouth was. I mean, I, I think I'm a bit of a broken record about liking Fleetwood's players so much, and obviously we don't like them for Captain Pugwash and all manner of different reasons. <laughs> but I've been I've been thinking they were going to batter someone for a while because they've got so many good offensive players, and so that was a not necessarily a surprise result, but I thought it was a. I thought that had been coming for a while. Yeah. And um, I think it's just it's just so close because as poor as we've been, we're still what, four or five points off mid-table. Yet we haven't been good enough to be mid-table yet, and we're not that far off it with a game in hand as well. Two on some, um, I think it's what five points between twelfth and twenty-first. I think there's the bottom half are generally all quite similar teams. We lost at Gillingham. They then lost three in a row, but got a point yesterday. Um, outside of the maybe top eight, I think everyone else is probably quite similar, and it'll be who goes on a run to put them to the top of that second group, if you like. Yeah. The scum beat what's usually a feisty... Well, beat Bristol Rovers in what's usually a feisty encounter, and Brett Pittman, who is a pain in the ass for us, historically notch that in a 1-0 win. And then Pompey, obviously, who we're playing on Tuesday, smashed Crew 4-1 with Crew only getting a 
consolation in the 94th minute. So, John, I guess that tells us a bit about what we've got to expect on Tuesday, doesn't it? And you have you have a mate as a Pompey fan that has given you a bit of an insight into it, right? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, there seems to be a lot of those going slightly back on the results. There seems to be a lot of them where one team has beaten another and then they get spanked by a lesser team. And it's like Lincoln would beat someone and then lose to Accrington and Accrington would then go and beat Portsmouth. And it, it just seems to be, I'm sure there are teams going on runs. There must be at the top of the table, obviously, but it just does seem very, um, yeah, very just sort of disjointed. But yeah, my, my friend who's a Pompey fan, um, saying how they've, they've hugely improved um, from last season, certainly from a, a form basis. Um, I think where we can be positive about Tuesday is that they've not got the best home record before they battered our, our friends at Crew. Um, you know, they'd only won two games at home before that and they'd only scored seven. And as I sort of tried to explain in an example, they lost to Wigan at home and we've gone and beaten Wigan at their home. So it is all a bit bizarre. But then away, Portsmouth have beaten Sunderland, Lincoln and Ipswich in recent weeks. And those are that's impressive. Those are not easy places to um, go, even though no fans, etc. Um, Portsmouth, top scorers in the league now after that. And they've only conceded 13. Oh, yeah. um, and the other thing my friend was talking about is they've got real sort of strength and depth. Now, he, he doesn't think they've got the best starting 11 compared to other teams up at the top. Um, but they've certainly, the the animosity to Kenny Jackett, the sort of instability, you know, there's no sort of talk of hangover from playoffs and all that sort of thing. So they sound quite stable and are obviously scoring. Our mate, Mr. Curtis, <laughs> Mr. Ronan Curtis, a.k.a. Uh, no, <laughs> stupid face, um, is... I mean, I think he scored internationally recently. But he's he's scoring. Um, the the other the big difference for them is Marquis is finally firing for them. I think he scored in the majority of the last ten games, and that's been something he's been stop and start. I mean, we know he's real quality. Um, they, um, I looked into them a little bit as well, and uh, as we've been talking about formations, they um they play a four four two for a reasonable amount of time. Um, wow. Mike Bassett, Mike Bassett, eat your heart out. <laughs> um, so um, that could be interesting. Um, but I always, I always feel like we've got a good record. I should have probably, <laughs> should have probably researched this, but I always feel like we've got a good record at Pompey. I mean, I always think, I think I just think about, yeah, I always think about Jordan Barry's goal as well back in 2016 yeah. or 2015. It feels like we always do well there and, their home record is a bit up and down. So I think while on paper, I think there'll be a hard, hard task and very organized. But you know, there's um I think as ever it's gonna be that if we if we did lose, it'll be the manner of how we lost. Exactly, and that's yeah. what's that I mean that, that's what the gauge is at the moment for how our performances are because right now it's still not great. It's what we were talking about at Wigan. So it's not a sort of high pressure game in my mind. It's just a, where are you going to be on that progress bar, which I felt we got on the right track up to Peterborough and then through against the team who are mid table that we need to beat at home to be successful this season. Absolutely destroy us. So 
that, that's the, the thing I keep thinking back to with like a game like Pompey. Given our form, I get why there's all of the 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 nervousness around thinking we should do well there. But like, if we going into this season, you you would hope that we were more competitive against the teams that we would have thought were in and around us, right? So we played Peterborough, actually played all right against them in the league, didn't we? And I suppose in the cup as well, but lost both. Um, Charlton, just d- terrible um, <laughs> performance that was akin to the crew game in a way. Um, Fleetwood, we were rubbish. Like at some point, if we want to be competitive this season, we're going to have to do over some of these teams that are going to be up there as well. But yeah, mm. I think it's it's too early for that. But at the same time, I still look at the league and I'm like, how are you? Met? I don't know how to feel. Like, do I just would should I take mid table now and be happy with that, or should we be trying to? Because we we got out of trouble in recent years and we've done well last season because we went on runs. And if you're going to go on runs, that means you've got to you're going to tackle big teams as part of that as well. But yeah, I I think absolutely a draw is good. But at the same time, it's when things are clicking more, we've got to have some results in these games as well. I think for me, it doesn't, it won't affect the result of Pompey. I'm saying this now <laughs> won't affect how I feel about going into Swindon. The Swindon game is in its own sort of bubble, probably because they're doing as bad as we are. Practically got the same record. Um, but it just feels like that's a one-off. Um, yeah. I don't even want to talk about that game very much. We've kind of already previewed this game, haven't we? <laughs> uh, the only thing that's different, Jack, they've got obviously a new manager in. Um, they've just beaten Bristol Rovers. As, as I said, that's a spicy encounter generally. And, you know, how how are you feeling? Yeah, I think John's right. I think it's uh, it's in its own, own right. I don't think there's any point reading anything into yesterday's results I think they've got Lincoln at home on Tuesday so they've got a tough game much like ourselves new manager but it's John Sheridan who you know kind of lives off his reputation from such a good side at Chesterfield um I think having watched Quest football on Quest or whatever it's called now they were quite lucky to win yesterday Bristol Rovers missed a couple of sitters in the last five five or so minutes um you know, it's it's just a strange strange thing for everyone involved in it. We're not going to be there. There's players who've never played in it before. It's going to be behind closed doors. Will they understand it? I assume the likes of Long, Taylor, Ruffles will be banging it into those who are perhaps less aware of the, the magnitude of it. Um, that intensity I mean, surely won't come across on the pitch, though, with it? Like, yeah, in my head... I, yeah, because I, I, the club did the whole video thing, didn't they, before the postponed game? So I don't know if they'll be replaying that to the players. So are we going to have the kind of first 10 minutes frantic kind of piling into tackles? But then there's going to be no crowd kind of response to that. So it will probably be quite, be quite flat at times as well. So uh, it's a complete one-off game. It's going to be really strange. What was on the video? Was it like smashed bust windows and Vig- Figaro? Um, getting sent off and <laughs> Maguire. I, I I think it was more um, fans shouting things at the camera. Um, like I hate Swindon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now possibly. you understand. You understand. 
Yeah. K- KR will be the most aware and for him, like, obviously we're not talking about anything stupid about manager out if we don't beat Swindon or whatever, but for him, he's going to know that this sets the tone for, you know, if, if for the next, for the games after that, it could get really quite, you know, if we do beat Swindon, there are a lot of, lot of fans who would just kind of take that for the season. And I know there's obviously going to play them away as well. Um, but it really will set the sort of, because the games we're about to talk about afterwards, you know, if you've got some goodwill through them, then, you know, you're in a much better place, but things could go downhill very quickly. If you throw on top the general ethos and feelings that some people very, very rightly have about football at the moment, it could get quite nasty. Yeah, yeah. One, you know, a glimmer for me is that they, they got smashed by Accrington at home, didn't they? But it was, meanwhile, we were getting battered by crew. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, we'll have to see, but yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, we get we again more about the performance on Tuesday and absolutely about the result on Saturday. I think it's fair to say. Um, and then looking beyond that, just before we wrap up, we've got a tough set of fixtures coming up. So obviously, you you account for Portsmouth in there. You've got the the bubble that is the Swindon game, as John referred to it as. And then we've got Ipswich at home, Hull at home, and then Blackpool, who are, seem to be a really unpredictable side in some of their results. Um, away, but I don't, uh, you know, you know, back in the the Appleton days, and I think it has carried across when you look at like your four or five game kind of increments and having targets. I'd be really interested to see what our target is <laughs> for that that period. Yeah. Um, that's really difficult. And Jack, do you think that this is kind of this period maybe? Christmas as well is going to define like what type of season this is, whether there is going to be any kind of shout at a playoff push um, or whether it is just a consolidate your league position type thing. I think we'll, we might have an idea heading, heading to around Christmas. Yeah, because it, obviously Ipswich and Hull were always going to be hard regardless of whether they were um, flying or not. You know, the kind of big hitters in the league. But then... Even after the Blackpool game, you, you go through. We then got Northampton at home, Bristol Rovers away, Wimbledon at home. They're kind of three games that you want to be winning. So the Hull, Ipswich, Swindon, Pompey games really set up for a big, big run into Christmas. A lot of people always say, "Oh, I only judge the league table at Christmas" because it started to, you know, settle down a bit and people are where they are on merit. We've got five, six, seven big games to show what we're about this season. I don't think, you know, whilst losing to Pompey wouldn't be great, it's not going to decide a Swindon game. The Swindon game's not going to decide the next game. It's these seven as a collective probably, you know, do do decide are we going to be a top 12 team or a, a, a bottom 12 team. Yeah, for sure. Right, boys, I think... That probably wraps it up. I have no idea how long this pod has been because we don't get a nice clock anymore, but maybe hour and 15 minutes or something. There you go. Um, 50 episodes in. Thanks thanks for everyone for kind of sticking with us and giving us support on various social media platforms. Um, really appreciate it. And we always really appreciate any kind of likes or comments or retweets or any of that stuff. Like it, it does mean a lot. Um 
And yeah, also, if people have anything they think that we should be discussing or have missed, get in touch. Like one, a guy called Jack got in touch with Jack, Jack to Jack, um, referencing about formation chatter and stuff. And it's it's good to kind of <laughs> have things thrown at us that we can talk about. It actually saves us a bit of work. So please do throw things at us um, if anything comes up or people really think there are topics that we're missing and that type of thing. Um, but yeah, everyone have a good week. Let's hope we've got six points in the bag and we'll probably be back for a pod um after swindon we might be a bit hungover after that one i expect as well but we'll have to see um john and jack thanks very much guys and we'll see you soon (laughs) 